Hi, I'm Dr. Mitch Harlan, and welcome to the Truth Talks podcast. Today, I'm joined by an amazing guest, but before I introduce them to you, I want to ask that you please like and subscribe below. That way, we can continue to bring you these incredible stories, and if you're already liked and subscribed to our channel, we thank you for all of your support. Hi, I'm Dr. Mitch Harlan, and welcome to the Truth Talks podcast. My guest today, I have stalked. I have done everything that it took to get him on this show, and I hope he goes through this Inc. Magazine story again, because that was really good. Larry Leith, the owner of Tokyo Joe's. How are you, Larry? I am good, Dr. Mitch. I'm, uh, you're funny that uh, we, were, we were just talking about that offline. I think I, I think I told you I said no to about 20 of these things. And, uh, and, and you know, obviously you're persistent, but I liked, I liked what you were doing. So it was, I think you knew early on when this was going to happen. It was just a matter of when it was going to happen. So. I, I, I had that feeling, and I know people who know you personally, which is actually why I wanted to run this show. So we're going to have some fun with this, but the first thing is, you're an incredible family man. The way you run your 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 stores, I mean, people. I know I treat patients that work for you, and it's just when you hear nothing good, but just everything is good about somebody. You're like, oh man, okay, this is somebody I need to know, right? And I I need to be associated with. And then just uh, we're friends on Facebook. I see your family, just the life that you live, and I'm like, this guy has got something that the world needs to hear, and and. From people starting up businesses to doing all this stuff, you're humble as all get out. But man, you got some plethora of knowledge that people can really use. But you didn't start out successful, is that correct? No, you know it was. Uh, well, I think I think to some degree, you know, it, it's funny. I mean, even growing up as a kid, you know, I'm sure my parents thought I was I was one of four kids. I'm pretty sure I was ranked fourth. Is was who's gonna like maybe make a difference in the world. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a model of persistence and putting one foot in front of the other. And, you know, like if it's that 10,000 hours thing, you know, you work at something long enough that you care about, you're going to be reasonably successful at it, you know? And so it's, uh, and for me, you know, these are all labors of loves. And of course, sometimes it's just labor of labor, but for the most part, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's been amazing. So. I did not start out, <laughs> you know, what's that, what's that way? Fastest way to a million dollars is have 10. You know, yeah, that's right. yeah no, that wasn't me. <laughs> Actually, I thought that saying was the quickest way to become a millionaire is to be a billionaire and get married. That's what I always ah. heard. So we hung out with the wrong people, apparently. Yeah, I'm a little lower than that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what, one of the things that I, I, I really loved about your story, and, and I want you to go into kind of this whole thing, because people get this really big misconception when they see this super successful person, they think it comes easy, right? It was, it was rough. It was tough. Tell us about that. It, it was. And, and, you know, and, and it's interesting, even when I like, you know, give a talk at a college or talk to just somebody on the street, you know, it's, it's literally putting that one foot in front of the other. I think a lot of people just like, I don't want to say they give up, but they just, they lose their focus and they go off. And so they're always in that startup thing. They never kind of get it, but it was, it was brutal. And, and, and I'd had, you know, a background of reasonable success and different things. And it's funny how they all sort of fall into place and even being an athlete early on and seeing how, you know, like it comes fast to some people, it comes slow to some people, but it, it can come to everybody if you're kind of willing to do it. And I think I have this kind of weird 
you know, blue collar, hardworking ethic that, you know, it's almost programmed in my DNA. And I'm sure I got it from my dad who, you know, has an amazing story himself, but it was, uh, it was brutal. And, and, you know, like specifically to Tokyo Joe's, I literally had, you're talking about stalking me. I, I literally stalked the our landlord for the first deal because I got told no by everybody. You got to remember, Fast Casual did not exist when I started Tokyo Joe's and Chipotle had one store just coming out and, you know, Steve and I were friends and we actually shared an architect early on, but I got told no everybody who, who honestly, who's this non-Asian white guy, right? <laughs> uh, wants to do this concept called Tokyo Joe's, which at the time you're presenting that it's not fast food, but it's not full service. And, you know, we're going to probably be playing Lenny Kravitz and it's going to be really interesting. It was almost like you were from Mars and they're kind of like smiled at you and threw you out the office. I, I, I literally, I, I remember one landlord, we became a big hit and he was inviting me to look at a site, by the way, in a helicopter <laughs> to go look at it. And like, he never remembered basically throwing me out of his office. Like he did not, I, he did not, if lie detector tests, he would say, I've never met this guy in my life. Lie detector test on me is like you had a blue shirt on, blue tie, <laughs> yellow stripe. You pretty much laughed at me and threw me out of the office. But it was it was really tough. You know, this was the time that sort of Boston Market and Starbucks were kind of hitting and they were taking all the end caps. And I just I just completely underestimated the ability to go get a site. Like I, you know, that, that's naivety to it all, which now, of course, when I see startups, I feel horrible for them and, and I'll do anything I can, can to help a startup, you know, because I understand people are just throwing barriers in front of you. That's your MO too. People know that about you. Uh, people that I know that know you say this guy is willing to help you any way he can. I've always said that, you know, I mean, we've had, I don't know, probably I don't know what the number would be, but maybe 10,000 employees at this point over time. You know, I don't think there's a single one that whether I fired them or they quit that if they saw me at the airport, they wouldn't give me knuckles or a high five or a hug or something. You know, like I, you know, I'm sure even, even ones that it ended poorly would, I've had them come up to me and go, dude, you, you were totally right. I was, you know, I was an ass. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, well, you know, we fucked up too. You know, like it's a two way street. So I get it. <laughs> but it was, it was a tough start. It was really, really rough. It was discouraging. I was running out of money. I had another company that I had started and that I'd sold out of Arizona. And I thought I sold it for enough to kind of get to this next step. And I had this idea, which I thought it was a really good idea. Little did I know nobody else did. And, uh, you know, just kind of pushing and getting told no and getting told and driving around with brokers and they weren't even showing you the good stuff. Cause they know that, you, you know, I didn't know this, but they knew that there was no way I was going to get that site, even though I'm like, well, what about that site? You know? And they'd be like, ah, you know, and I'd show up next week and it's Starbucks. Right. By the way, the same broker had Starbucks. So you know, like lots of, lots of that. And, you know, uh, it was crazy. And then, True story is I sat in my car outside of this guy that this, who our original store on Dry Kirk in Yosemite. And I sat in the, I was so desperate and, and like, I couldn't get him to return my calls. We kind of were negotiating on it. So it seemed like it was real. He was just waiting for somebody better, anybody better. It was a B site at best. And I'm like, oh my God. And it made sense to me. Of course, it was the only thing that was going. Um, I sat in my car and waited for him. This is creepy, right? And I'm looking and I finally see him show up at his office and I give it five minutes and I walk in and I'll, I would say almost out of embarrassment, he did the deal. Like I kind of was like walked in, I say, Hey, I've had a hard time getting hold of you. I know we're really close on this. Can we, can we talk about this? And he, he just, it just kind of happened instead of throwing me out. And then I remember literally calling my lawyer and said, 
we're negotiating this now. Like, like <laughs> I'm bringing this guy, his, his representative down. We are doing this now. This is happening. I'm like, we are signing this because tomorrow is a day that, you know, another deal could show up. And so I literally got that deal done in a crazy way. Where, where was that location at? So in the tech center, so south of the tech center, so a dry Creek road and Yosemite. So just a little bit west of I-25 from our patio, we watched park Meadows mall being built. So, you know, early, but it made sense to me. I was like, well, there's office buildings on the right. There's homes on the left. That's lunch. That's dinner. Um, I think I could, you know, and I think I could make it. It was an end cap and the numbers kind of made sense. And I didn't, you know, I was, I was, you know, desperate. I'd been told no, I was running out of money. I truly, you know, the banks would send you those checks that you could write to pay off other credit cards with. Yes. Yeah, keep sending those to me. <laughs> I was living on those things and uh, <laughs> it just happened. And luckily it happened. And, you know, then that started the whole thing. It got going at that point. What, what I love about it is it's the ultimate success story, right? You're saying everything that I knew was there, that persistence. And, and I love that you got your ass kicked because if you didn't get your ass kicked in the beginning, would you be, would you be Tokyo Joe's Larry Leith right now? No, not at all. It, it's, it does, it, the easy road never wins. It almost seems like you've got to be drugged through the glass. Yeah. But there was, there was a story in here. Uh, you had to sell your BMW? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, I sold everything. I mean, so, you know, I... I <laughs> you know, early on, I was, I was an athlete. I was in the ski business and reached a nice level of success, you know, as a pro skier, also running a, a family chain of ski shops, very successful, could have gone into the ski industry, said, no, nah, I, I got to get out of this, do something else. Went and started another company, which turned out very well down in Arizona, but I ended up being able to sell that. And it's like, um, you, you know, it's, I, I look at it and, it, you know, it kind of, it kind of blows me away, you know, you know, just how you get here. You know, it's, it's, it's such a complicated path in a sense. It's that moment when you're sitting on your porch in a chair and you're like, how am I even here? Yeah. How am I even here? You know, now, according to some of the research I did, and of course it's always best getting it from the horse's mouth, but it basically, some of the stuff said you didn't know jack shit about Japanese food. No, I, I didn't know anything <laughs> about anything. And it was like, some of it was a real blessing. I, I knew it from being an athlete. Like I knew that this whole right space protein driven. Like I knew that there was something there, you know, and I, and, and I knew from a, it was fascinating. Cause like, I always say, if I'd gotten a fortune cookie and it said, you're going to be in the restaurant business, I would have laughed hysterically. It'd be like me opening one now and say, and reading it and saying, uh, you know, you're going to fly to Mars with the Elon Musk. You know, it, it would seem so foreign that it wasn't, that it wasn't even possible. You know, and, and so, you know, like I think about those steps early on and the early part of Joe's and, and, and what it was and, and, you know, a lot of fortuitous stuff. Like I think to start right now to be a fast casual restaurant, you better be really good. I think I came into it with some timing that um, it was fast food or full service. There was a big gap there. So as long as I was better than fast food, I was going to be okay. But um, I worked really hard at it. I, I poisoned a lot of neighbors with recipes that sucked. <laughs> I learned everything. It, it, you know, that was before the internet for the most part. So I bought every Asian cookbook that was available and I made every single thing that was in it. And by doing that, I learned the ingredients. I learned the basics. I understood it. Um, I've, I've never been a chef yet. I created all these sauces and dressings and all these formats, but did it in a very different way with a very different uh, set of lenses you know, my view about it was really about the guest experience about, and it was really also about the employment experience. 
you know, like I, I worked for places where people were treated well and I worked for places where people weren't treated well. And I was a big fan of treating people well, <laughs> right. um, you know, so all, it was just all these crazy things kind of, you know, stirring up and then, and then, you know, like I said, going out and kind of doing it, which, you know, now sometimes I look back cause we just had our 25th anniversary, uh, March 13th. It snowed. We yeah. closing that day doing the anniversary <laughs> a week later, but, but isn't that life? Isn't that like, even like, that's like, like I didn't even, it even phased me. I'm like, Oh yeah, we're snowed out today. We'll do it next week. Like I'm so used to having problems and it's sort of how you handle it. doesn't mean I don't get upset about it. Yeah. I'm furious about it. And sometimes really furious and sometimes handle it really well. Maybe as I'm getting older, I'm handling them better, but it's. Well, I, I went to, I went to open kimono, man. So this is struggling. Where were you at? Cause we talked about balance and that, that is such a hard thing when you're driven, right? I mean, obviously you're a driven guy. I've already got the message. You're gonna you're gonna outwork the problem. You're gonna you're gonna outwork the problem. So how how did you manage that balance? You know, uh, well, initially I probably was out of balance because I was working so hard on it. But you know, but I think that's part of balance, right? Isn't that like being on the tight wire? You know, you're going left, you're going right. You're actually never going down the thing straight. Right. Just trying not to fall off. Um, yeah, you know, it's it, it's crazy because I like the 25th thing showed up, and I look back and I have moments where I'm like. I don't really know how I did it. Like, you know, even people like, oh, you're one of the founders of fast casual restaurants. Like what you did was so innovative and so far forward thinking. And, you know, we had big companies trying to buy us at one restaurant. You know, I had, I, I had one restaurant and I got offered $5 million from a very wonderful company. And I, you're like, you don't even know what to think of it. All, also, I mean, I knew like, well, if it's worth five today, it'll be worth, worth more. Like, thank you, thank you so much. I'm having a good time here. You know, like I'm not, I'm not done painting my picture and maybe my picture will be shit someday and worth less. I'll be really sorry I did it, but near as I can tell I was on the right path, but it, you know, it's, it's, it's so, I have moments where I don't quite get it, but I know I, you know, I mean, I know all the steps and when I, like a show like this is actually pretty therapeutic for me because I kind of look back at the pieces and how you did it and what this, you know, I've, I've jokingly, and I maybe not jokingly talked about writing a book and, and it's not a book about Joe's. It's about, it's a book about, just these lessons and persistence and how you move forward and, you know, going from good to great. And by the way, going from great back to good for a minute, cause you're kind of screwing up and then trying to get it back to, you know, that balance thing, but, you know, with family and with, with all of it and still trying to be an athlete. So I've always tried to take care of myself along the way. So I'm not the guy that's not really going to go to the gym. I might go to the gym for less, you know, <laughs> right. and, stuff. and obviously when the Joe's first started, I was there at, you know, four or five o'clock every morning, and I'd work, you know, obviously help the thing get started, work the lunch shift. I'd run to the gym on a split. I'd come back and work and I'd close the thing at night. And, and I did that for a long time. Um, was I tired? Yeah, but it was, it was the best time. It was kind of amazing because you knew you were kind of walking on the moon in your own little world. And, and, good, and you know, we had a line out the door about two to three days into it. It was meaningful. I want you to write a book. You must write a book. Um, th this has to be on paper for generations to read. It was really funny when you said that because I, I do the same thing. You know, I, I still practice and then we're doing this. It's like, this is my passion. Like talking to people like you are my passion because I know everything that you're saying. There's millions of people out there that want your dream. And here you're given the, here, here's the recipe, man. Just go do it, work it, do what you do. You make it look easy, but I know I know that it's not always easy. And I know my wife a lot of times she's like, "Man, you're just working yourself in the ground." But I've already heard it in your voice. You're like, 
I love it though. Yeah. And, and, you know, and there's been, you know, when you're on your own, you kind of have to pat yourself on the back most of the time, but there are rewards and you have to look at it and, you know, you're seeing that you're making a difference in, in, in how people are employed. You know, early on, we had this whole thing, the few, the proud, the pierced. I mean, we were one of the innovators of hiring tattooed, pierced people, eclectic, you know, way ahead of the time. I mean, I've had hate letters over the years and I would write these amazing letters back that were basically like, you know, you need to just like fucking stop judging a book by its cover. And I would be so direct. I would say nine out of 10 times, they would write me back and say, I'm sorry. Like you, what you said was right. And I, and I knew I was on it. I'd post them in the restaurants. Well, of course, the employees had thought, oh my God, this guy just whipped his sword out and went after this person. And he could care less that he's a guest. I'm like, well, I don't even know if I want you as a guest, you know, like, right. I, I don't, why would I want to have you impact this positive person in my world? You know, tell me they're not doing a good job and we're going to talk about that and we'll make it right. You know, but tell me that they're too tall or they're blue or whatever. I'm like, I don't know. I talk about that. <laughs> and that's true. I noticed that when I went in too. It, I, that was one of the things I noticed. And, and I was like, wow. All right. What, what's going on here? Early on. I mean, we were around when Starbucks made you cover up everything. Yeah. Now, nowadays it's nothing. Now, nowadays, if you don't have a tattoo or pierced or something, you know, you're almost odd, right? right. I think, by the way, I'm fully tatted because I've been such an advocate. You know, I've been on the front of tattoo magazines. <laughs> they're like, show me your sleeve. I'm like, oh, I don't have one. And they're like, what do you mean? You're like, you fought this fight and you're not even I'm like, well, yeah, I got my kid's name on my ankle, but no, I don't have a big dragon on my back or anything. <laughs> and it's like, but I'm a big believer of, you know, I'm a bit of a Robin Hood guy, you know, like, like treating people right. I get really pissed if people aren't treated right all the way through from a guest perspective and also from an employee perspective. You know, if I hear, a, we have, if we have an employee that's having a landlord that's kind of hosing them and ripping them off on their, uh, you know, moving deposit or something like that. Yeah. I'm going to let my corporate attorney go talk to him for free. You know, I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm going to, I will go all day with this one. So you might want to give him his deposit back. He's just trying to, he's just trying to move through life and get at a different apartment. And you know, damn well, he didn't wreck the place. So give him his money back. We're all good. Or I'm, gonna go to war with you <laughs> can you see why i stalked you man i mean like this is the diamond in the rough and god if think of every company run like yours i mean oh my god what an experience that would be i want to kind of people are wonderful guests are wonderful are. yeah some guests are bad but but most of them are wonderful and employees are wonderful and you you know you look in their eyes you know, we're all trying to get through this world this life and it's i don't think it's gotten easier corona's made it weird um you know your people just you know, no different than me They're I'm just trying to lease a space and they're just trying to buy tires for their car. The thing that I noticed about Tokyo Joe's when I uh, became aware of it was so many of my friends that are in the bodybuilding world, they, I mean, Tokyo Joe's was their go-to. Was that kind of the initial deal? Cause you talked about, you know, being an athlete. Yeah. It, it wasn't so much bodybuilding. It was, uh, we were deliberate to have very healthy, clean food and, you know, I wasn't trying to be the weight loss guy. I wasn't trying to be the bodybuilder guy. Although, you know, I have Mr. Olympia, Phil Heath eating in the restaurants all the time. And yeah. we moved down the road because who was eating in the restaurants. But, you know, we had the, we had the cops, we had the firemen, we had all the trainers. Um, we knew we had a really good thing because we were so committed to how we prepared the food and being maybe more protein centric than most people, but having ultimate custom ability to what we do, you know, we were, customized food before anybody else was it was such a niche that it was unbelievable to me and and it is kind of crazy 
when you think a person gets to the level that you're at, and yet I see you post stuff of new recipes that you've designed, right? I'm thinking, this guy loves his work, man. You know, I do. And, and I think, you know, there's that thing where, you know, you can make a positive effect in people's lives. So, you know, like that, there's nothing kind of more rewarding than feeding somebody, you know, and I'm not a restaurant guy by desire or by nature, you know, like I have friends, you know, my friend, you know, I'm a partner in this restaurant up in Vail called Craftsman, which has this guy, Schmitty, Chris, who's a world-class chef. I don't even know what he's talking about half the time. <laughs> so amazing. You know, he could come to my house and probably take cat food and something in the cupboard and, and it'd be like the best thing I ever had. I, you know, I work for, work at it from a different perspective, but I work at it from a nutritional perspective and, you know, how this should be and how we should live. And so, you know, the, the fitness thing was great. And, but, but, you know, people just felt good if they ate at Joe's, you know, yeah. and so you would have this meal, you'd feel great. You, you didn't have to know it was good for you to know it was good for you. You know, we're also a big believer of, of Kaizen. It's that whole theory of just putting one foot in front of the other. Every single year I have a Kaizen meeting. We talk about, and I think some people say it Kaizen, but um, so I probably butcher that, but it's, I love that theory. And that's an athlete's theory. You know, you just want to get a little bit better every day. And by the way, and, and it's a human thing. Like it's you, you want to do a little bit better every day. And, you know, people you work with and, you know, like that's a great thing. And we see that with employees. Like if I can have an employee be a little bit better every day, even to the point where they get better and leave me and go do something on their own, I'm going to be their first customer. I'm going to high five them. Like, absolutely. You know, why not be a part of that guy's story or that gal's story? This is why you have to write a book because that, I believe that's a secret to success, right? It's like you, every successful person, you see that same characteristic in them. And then it's like you're loving your job, and when you love it, it's not working. When it's not work, you're having fun, and when you're having fun, things grow. You, you have the first restaurant, though. How, how quickly did you start really going after it? So, I, you know, the first, the first restaurant was literally, I, we, I, we're, we, we, excuse me, we're remodeling it right now. And actually, we're, I just put this whole thing, the original Joe's on the wall in 1996. I mean, I think you could put me in that room, blindfold me, spin me around. I could walk through that restaurant and not bump into a table because I just spent so much time there. And we've left it a bit of as the shrine. You know, it'd be easy to gut it all out and make it look like one of our most recent restaurants, but it's not what we're doing. It makes it a little hard because you're like stuck with some of these features that we really wouldn't do today, but we're going to leave it. Going to the second, so very fortunately, I had a, a friend and a partner, Todger Anderson, who was a financial guy and uh, had more money than me for sure. And he loved it. But, I, you know, he always said, I invest in people. I don't invest in things. He, he was a big believer of me. I think he would have, I, I think I could have probably committed, got him to commit to any kind of business plan if I believed in it. Yeah. Um, and I knew him from the ski business. He was a partner in my automobile business down in, in Arizona. I think I'd well proven that I'm a solid citizen and I'm honest and going to work really hard. Um, we kind of had a plan that if the first one could take off, we really should jump to the second pretty quick. There also was that theory that you kind of have to go do this before somebody else does it. You know, yeah. that's bullshit, by the way. I learned that <laughs> early on. Is like, first of all, I could tell somebody how to do this. They're still not necessarily do it. So yes, are there people out there that knocked us off right away? Absolutely. But, but what, you want to be the, the only runner in the race, you know? So, so have that fuel you to be better. So, you know, I always said, I'll tell you what we're doing. Cause by the way, by the time you go do what I'm doing, I'm going to go be doing something else. So I was okay with that, you know, and yeah, I wouldn't want somebody to open up in the center. We had somebody open up a concept just like us, nine tenths of a mile away from us. 
kind of annoying. I knew who they were and they ate in the restaurant every day. They definitely in a sense stole from us. Um, I said, screw it. I put a restaurant on the other side of them too. <laughs> and, and that was that, you know, they about six months into it. I'm like, no, 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 no. First of all, I'm a super competitive guy. <laughs> you don't say. You want to fucking do that. Um, and by the way, had you done that three miles away, I would have helped you with it, but you did it kind of in my backyard, you know? And so, and I have friends, you know, my friend Jay, who has swing Thai restaurants. We always had this secret handshake that we were never going to put a restaurant on top of each other. I had the opportunity to go in the most amazing space, six blocks from him. I said, no. And the landlord's like, what are you talking about? Like everybody in town wants a space. I want you. I'm like, yeah, but my friend's got a restaurant down the street. Like, I just don't do that. You know, show me something else three miles away out of his zone. I'm all over it, you know? And by the way, Jay Jay returned that favor to me probably once or twice. I'm sure he had opportunities to get in my space, you know, but uh, yeah, we jumped to the second one, which was a DU, which by the way, most everybody thought was the first restaurant because it was in Denver. So everybody thought, oh, your first restaurant was right next to the original Chipotle. I'm like, no, that was actually my second restaurant. And by the way, that landlord at 20 years thought it was, I, he thought that was the first restaurant too. So he thought, well, he's willing to pay whatever to keep the shrine. I'm like, uh, no, <laughs> like, I, I'm like doubling the rent does me no good. Parking's gone away. The space has been here for 20 years and needs to be remodeled. I will happily stay here, but I can't, that doesn't make sense. We went away, you know? Um, but luckily Todger Anderson, we, we had this plan early on and he very, it's interesting now that I'm in a position where I can invest in restaurants. Um, I, I, I see how, how much he invested, you know, like where he was, I knew his net worth. I knew how much he put in. It was really meaningful for him. And he, he even said one day, you know what, if we lose, if I lose this, you and I will still be friends. And, and so of course, you know, obviously that meant a lot to me and, and he didn't lose it. And his investment over the years has been, probably the best investment he's ever made, you know, remarkable. I, you know, I, I always, I always like to tell him that I, I beat Warren Buffett for that 15 year period <laughs> and um, two with two recessions in there too, but we had a good plan. And the nice thing about that is that, that early on I, I did restaurants were cheaper then the whole world was different, you know, back in 96. Um, we had the ability to get to these other restaurants and have a little bit of critical mass. And I did a couple things really right because I kept the restaurants close to each other where the brand recognition would move. I didn't go up to Boulder. I certainly didn't go to Cherry Creek Mall, which is where, or Cherry Creek, where every broker would tell you to go and right. buy a horrible death. Um, we made some really good, smart uh, decisions early on that were sort of just common sense smart. I didn't have anybody to tell me that, but we, we kind of popped to one and two. And then we sort of, at that point, we were, we were doing well. We made money. So we actually cash flowed. You know, the crazy part is we literally cash flowed all these restaurants. We did it the old fashioned way, which people are like, why don't you open three or four a year? I'm like, well, I can't open up three or four. I don't have the money for it. We'll borrow it. Like, I didn't want to borrow it. You know, so we did it the old school way. We were paying taxes. We were, you know, I would tell people like a restaurant back then was 600,000, but I had to make a million dollars to pay taxes. 400,000 taxes to have. So these restaurants cost me a million dollars and, yeah. but we did it and I was fine paying the taxes too. I love parks. I love schools. I want to see highways and love the military, you know, so I'm okay with that. You know, <laughs> this is one big family. Right. And we just did well. And we were super uh, thrifty, careful, uh, you know, didn't overpay, you know, we correctly paid. We, you know, I didn't go out and buy a jet. 
and oh, the BMW, this is where that whole story went. Yeah, I had cars and one by one, I had to sell them to pay for Joe's, you know, and, and it's a true story. I literally remember the girl coming up and buying. She's, oh my God, this car is beautiful. It's all fully restored. And of course I'm practically in tears that I'm having to sell it. <laughs> She's willing to pay the money. The boyfriend shows up and he's trying to beat me down on the price. I'm like, you're kind of beating me down on selling my child to you. So you might want to leave. And, <laughs> and literally she's like, they start arguing. I'm laughing. And I, and I literally looked at him and said, look, I, no offense, but there's somebody who's going to buy this car like 10 minutes after you. So if you're going to buy it or not, you know, like I'm selling you my child here. It's going to go build my restaurant. But that's that thing where you just do anything. But, you know, we, we were fortunate. You know, we got the first one off, did the second, did the third. And then after that, we really followed a very disciplined mathematical plan and we were very careful about the the moves we made we made lots of mistakes we just didn't make the mistakes that kill you yeah you know and so we and we grew slow slow which everybody kind of told you you know you're not very good at this if you're growing slow it was a lot of pressure to grow fast and even the people that were interested in buying us you know uh were you know they wanted to go super fast and like first of all i didn't have the ability to grow fast financially or mentally or otherwise. I didn't even have those systems in place. And I knew that for this to grow, it just needed to grow intelligently and need to grow at my pace. So, you know, Chipotle and I started out at the same time. Obviously you can look at the size of Chipotle right now. Now, bear in mind, they had McDonald's come in as a partner at 14, which is beyond steroids, right? It helps. Well, and I'm sure had I had McDonald's come in at that point, you know, similar, something similar would have happened. Just that level of expertise and what they did and, and Steve's vision, you know, and, and, and those are things Steve wanted. And nobody's a bigger Chipotle fan, by the way, than me. And, and also of Steve Ellis, who started Chipotle. I mean, we're friends. We've watched this. We had very different paths. But, you know, like, oh, my God, I'm just like, you know, I'm, I, I high five Chipotle all the time. Um, yeah, our story was different. And we, we did it kind of the old fashioned way, which was kind of not sexy. And you're almost kind of looked down upon for like, you almost had to apologize. You know, people would say, how many restaurants did you open last year? I go two. Well, depending on who I was talking to, I was like, oh my God, you opened up two restaurants. Incredible. Or you're talking to a restaurant guy like PF Chang's, you open up two and they're looking at you like, are you broken? <laughs> are you going to make it? Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. By the way, I'm in debt. <laughs> but maybe I'm not. <laughs> You know that you, you, whenever you, whenever I get a story or I, I kind of research somebody, and again, as we've said before, I knew people who know you, and without us even knowing one another, like you said, we became friends before we became friends. Right. Yeah. Your story, though, is is one of the most impressive to me, because everything that you have said is backed up by a whole lot of people who know you, and what blows me away is the level of success you have. But so many people know you personally, which means you had to have shaken that hand. You had to have talked to them. You had, I mean, they know you intimately. I think, I think there's all of that, you know, whether it's how you treat landlords or your vendors, who, I mean, we've been with Shamrock Foods for 25 years. Like, you know, most people would have jumped for five vendors and, but, you know, you find people that are aligned with you and get your, you know, sense of kind of right and wrong. And I'm, you know, I live in the gray, like a lot of us, you know, I'm not, I'm like that guy. Right. I'm firmly in the gray, actually. And uh, it's, uh, you know, through employees, through, you know, it's been wonderful. And the people are, you know, I, one time I was at DIA and I was, I was going through, getting through security. I'm looking over at my wife, Marcy, and I'm like, I got a bad feeling. I look like somebody today because those guys keep pointing at me. 
and I'm sort of working my way up and I'm like, this is, this is not good. And uh, I, I finally get up to the front of the line and cause they've already like called over supervisors and I'm pretty sure they're making eye contact with me. I'm looking behind me. I'm like, I don't know if anybody behind me looks more of a terrorist than me. And no, they're looking at me. And I finally get up there to the front and, and the guy's like, um, you're Larry Leith, aren't you? And I said, yeah, I'm a little relieved. <laughs> and he goes, um, you know, you wouldn't remember me, but I worked for you for a couple of months when I was 18. And many, many years later, and he's, you know, working obviously at security at the airport. And he goes, um, he goes, you know, you're, you were a great employer. He goes, you actually fired me, um, but, <laughs> but, but I had it coming. And he goes, you were great. And, you know, and you were even wonderful after the fact. And, and, you know, and of course I'm relieved because I'm pretty much like, oh, I think I'm getting fully searched today. <laughs> yeah. But, but it was one of those thoughts you're like, well, you know, it's like you, you treat people right. It, it's, it's okay. You know, like it, it's, it's a good thing to do. So we've shown, we've heard what Larry Leith has done for Tokyo Joe's and all the thousands of people that have been employed by you and paid their mortgage and paid their cars and all that stuff. What has Tokyo Joe's done for you though? That's a, that's a great question, man. Dr. Mitch coming up with a great question. You don't, <laughs> want, to, question. You don't want to email it first, did you? <laughs> like, no, I didn't email I'm going to blindside him with it. So say it again. I want to hear it from your words. Say that question again. I want to know, you know, because I have employees and, you know, we have this, when you are the employer, you have this desire where you're going to work it hard. You're working hard. You're working hard. And everybody thinks you're doing it for yourself. And you are doing it for yourself, but yet you, you're so responsible for everybody else's stuff and you give and you give and you give. You've hit it incredibly well. What has Tokyo Joe's given back to you? I'm so glad you said that. It was giving me time to process it. Um, it's given me a great life. Um, and obviously everybody probably has a different definition of a great life. And it's, you know, it's not that I drive a Porsche. Matter of fact, that's not even the point at all. I happily drive an old Volkswagen Jetta. It's given me a great life in terms of uh, being able to be at all my kids' sporting events, being able to leave work sometimes when I, you know, need to do a family thing. Of course, I've spent lots of family time on work stuff, but it's, it's, it's just giving me a great life, you know, like a very fulfilling life, uh, you know, friends and family and acquaintances and connections, connections that I don't use, but I, you know, like I, it's just fun to have it. It's, you know, it's great to know John Lynch, you know, see John Lynch at the airport and you get a big hug, you know, it's like, I just got a hug from John Lynch, you know, it's like, um, but, but hug from an employee that worked for me for 18 years too, or like, you know, the, the guy at, uh, you know, security, you know, like you know, getting a high five instead of <laughs> an anal cavity surgery. <laughs> I was pretty sure it was going to happen. Um, yeah, it's given me a great life. And, and, and I think I probably could go on for an hour what a great life is. And, and, and it's not like it's a perfect life. It's an, it's a perfectly imperfect life. You know, I mean, I, I think sometimes if we think about this with social media, I always try to post a picture of, uh, you know, me working, I was going to do one where I just go through my day. I was going to show the laundry machine. I was going to show the the, you know, the dishes, the pumping gas in the car, because I'm an absolute normal person like everybody else. Um, you know, you still have the same problems. I know outwardly looking in, people think, oh, he had a flat tire. For which Porsche? You know, <laughs> right. it's like, uh, 
you know, still a flat tire, screwed up your day. I had one on Sixth Avenue, a complete blowout, you know, but I had a great friend that came by to help me. And two hours later, I had a new tire on. I was going, you're like, even the guys at discount tire, are like, Hey, you're Larry Lee. Let me fix that for you. <laughs> you know, like, it's a good life. <laughs> it's kind of worked out. Those guys are in line, by the way. Um, wonderful company, by the way, discount tire. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's given me a great life. You know, I, I think, and I think that was the goal. You know, I think it was having a little bit of control in your life. And, and just like you, we have control, but we also don't. I mean, right. control is a bit of an illusion. Um, we have fleeting moments of control. You know, um, none of us can see the future. Nobody saw COVID coming, all, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, Joe's has given me a, a great life. Um, and I should probably sit and reflect on that. I think you just asked me a very meaningful question that I'm going to think about later and and it's going in your book because you're going to do that. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a great life. And you know, like what I, what I deem as a great life, I'm sure is very different than somebody else. By the way, there's no numbers to my great life. There's not a quantitative, it's not a net worth at all. Right. Not, not in the terms of dollars. It's def definitely a net worth of, you know, friends and people and, you know, like, you know, getting a hug from an employee going to, I was at one of our stores the other day and, and they were laughing because that, couple it'd been actually COVID one time I walked in and they were just getting their ass kicked. So I bust tables for an hour and they're literally like, Holy shit, Larry's cranking these tables. And I'm a pro at that. Like they literally like, I've never seen anybody bust like that. Well, I'm just, I just practiced this more than you and I'm great at it. And, but you know, it's funny how they all kind of remembered it, you know, and they were laughing at like, Oh, you came in, we were just getting smoked and you didn't say anything. It wasn't like you didn't do a good job. You said, you just like dropped it. You're doing, you had a business launch and you blew them off and you just, bus tables and got stuff going, you're laughing, you're high five and you're calming down some pissed off customers who then knew you were Larry and they're like ha happily complaining about their bowl. Um, it was, uh, but when I left the other day, I walked out and like one of the team, team members said, Hey, love you, Larry. And I literally walked to my car. I was like, God, you know, like you're an employer, you have all these people and you get love from, you know, some 24 year old that's on her way, you know, way up. And it's like, that's a good life. You know, that's a great life and, and lots of imperfections in there. Lots of mistakes, lots of not being the best layer, lots of being the best layer, you know, but all of it, you know, just absolutely human, no different than anybody else. How, how do you, how do you keep uh, your kids grounded? I want to talk a little bit about your family. Cause you're such a family guy too. I mean, dude, uh, you 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 literally are, are this absolutely a guy I knew I would love the minute that I that I talked to you just from just from everybody else the way they talk about you and but when you get to that level of success, you know everybody worries about that type of stuff, right? But I, I know you got to brag about your kids and you should brag about these kids because they're amazing. We talk about it a lot, you know. If you're getting upgraded to first class, I try to explain it to them. You know, one, we flew too much. And you know, that's why this happened. <laughs> it wasn't because of anything else. And uh, yeah, they don't even like us. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we talk about it a lot, you know, and I think, you know, obviously my oldest, you know, Cooper and Senna, especially Senna, who's, you know, the snowboarder, he spent so much time in my car, me driving him back and forth to training. I would literally drop him off at training, go down to work, come back up, pick him up at training. Um, he, did, he has sat through more conference calls in my car and business meetings, like high-end meetings so that early on, they'd even be at the office and they used to charge me 50 cents for every time I dropped the F-bomb. 
<laughs> and so they'd come down at the end of the meeting. They said, you know, Sam was like, oh, so you owe me 550. <laughs> I was like, oh, pretty light meeting, apparently. <laughs> I must have been good today. Um, yeah, we've tried really hard. And, and I think that one's harder. It's maybe a little bit harder with our youngest because, you know, her, her coming into this life is a little bit different than the early, you know, the kids who saw the struggle. But, you know, who, but we talk about it a lot. And I, and I think to some degree, I do worry about that, you know, like that, um, you know, they, they can look at life a little bit differently. My, my youngest was at the airport one day and, and, and this is, by the way, she was probably six. So six is not filtering anybody or filtering anything, but this wonderful lady goes, so where are you from? Or where do you live? And she goes, well, we live in Vail, but sometimes in Denver, um, <laughs> but we have a house in Hawaii. And I'm literally looking at this woman going, yeah. <laughs> but she doesn't know the whole story. You know, there's a work home, the other home, by the way, the home in Hawaii, is for our team members. So all our managers, we fly to Hawaii every other year and we pay for them to go and have a week off. So, you know, the Hawaii house isn't, you know, and, and I'm, I'm certainly not Elon Musk and we have a very average home in a very average neighborhood. But the whole goal of that was, is we had employees that I realized were getting vacation, but never going anywhere. You know, they'd, they'd get the vacation money that we did. Like we would give bonus money and stuff but they wouldn't go anywhere they'd either buy a tv or fix their car and they'd come back tired and i was like nah this isn't working at the same time i was being sent places because we were this shining star in the restaurant and there's a pepsi sending me here and shamrock sending me to europe and they were going all these trips and i was like well what's for them like i'm getting all this goodness but where's their goodness so we had this crazy idea of buying the, the maui house it was because it was a really cheap way to do it. You like buy the house and then we just have the airline tickets and then we fly them over. And at that time they, they would actually get to go every year for a week. We just ended up with too many employees to, to keep managers to do that. Um, and it actually turned out that they didn't really want to go every year, you know, so it was every other year was enough. And so we did this house and, and that's been 15 years of that. Uh, we still have it. And we still have people that are like, like, and you get there and there's a note from me. And it's like, this, like, don't thank me. This is me thanking you. And by the way, here's my cell phone number. You know, if you need anything, you want to get into a restaurant you can't get into, I'm going to get you in the restaurant. <laughs> and, and it's like, you're in Hawaii, you're my guest. And, you know, this is what we do. So, you know, the, 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 yeah, it, it, it's hard. It's hard. You know, the whole thing about being grounded with that. Here's my daughter saying we have the Maui house. Of course, I kind of want to explain to this woman <laughs> that it's really a business thing. <laughs> you know, I'm not Richard Branson, not even remotely. But, you know, you see the couple guys like Richard Branson, they just do it on a much bigger scale. We just try to do our goodness on the scale that we can do it. You know, are, are, are you the same Larry Leith at store one that you are now? Say that? You the same Larry Leith at store one than you are now? Um, yeah, obviously a lot wiser and older and smarter, I think. Um, uh, not as naive. Um, I think, uh, I think there's a bunch of stuff I do better now, you know, and then there's probably some really good stuff there that I just had pure young energy that I don't have now that I really wish I did, <laughs> you know, like, you know, getting sleep is a struggle now. I'm, you know, I'm a very fit, healthy guy, but I'm 61. You know, it's a different, different thing. People can't believe I'm 60, you know, cause I ride bikes competitively. I'm still, you know, a solid skier and, and it's that healthy, healthy lifestyle, but you know, yeah, the energy I had when I started, I don't, you know, if I'd have that now, maybe I do, you know, uh, I think you do it. 
according to Facebook, you do. I mean, I'm like, man, does this guy ever stop? I'm like, my gosh, when, when does he chill out for just a little bit? No, I do. I, I crash and break down all the time. <laughs> but I, I tell you, I, uh, I, I want to tell you literally from the bottom of my heart, man, and, and I, I was going to be so persistent. I was going to get this. I mean, hell, I might end up out in Maui to get this damn thing. I mean, I, I bought the house next door just to get this interview. In this world, when your reputation precedes you as yours does, and then I get to hear it directly out of your mouth, and everything that you have said is what everybody says about you, um, I was determined to get this interview. And I do, you can't even, I can't even tell you how much I appreciate you coming on our show. Just, just the, the business aspect that you do by caring about people first. Uh, I think it's a lost art almost at this point. And I would love to bring you back and, um, and, and talk to you about a couple other things that I have in play because uh, your wisdom is just overwhelming. And I know that's asking a lot of somebody as, as busy as you are, but, you know, if you don't ask, you don't get, right? Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, obviously, you know, it's a, it's a wide topic. You can go, you know, sometimes it's good to have a sort of a narrow, a, a, a narrower focus to it. Um, uh, you know, I'd be honored to, you know, and like I said, I think we do these things to make a difference in other people, you know, so if it's encouragement or, you know, I, I mean, we always feel like I'll tell everybody what I do, you know, like how to do it. I, I know that other employers aren't going to do it that way. And by the way, there's some really wonderful employers that do, um, you know, so like kudos to them. There's people that do far more than what we do or have the ability to do far more than we do. You know, I think if everybody's just doing the best they can. That's probably a, a good thing. And if we're kind of leading the way a little bit, you know, I think we feel like in the restaurant business, we, we led the way in a lot of ways, you know, with people and how people are treated and, you know, and, uh, you know, and I, I always said, I, you know, I think it probably comes, the food tastes better from a place like that. You know? <laughs> and I think it does. I think it does. It's the atmosphere. It's everything. Well, I'm going to wrap this up because I know you are gracious to give me this amount of time. I, uh, I would love to do three hours of this stuff, man, because I just can't get enough of you. But I, I, again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. And, and thank you for not making me go to the next level because I was going to go there. And then I would have went to the next level to get it. But thank you again so much. Larry Leith, owner of Tokyo Joe's, you're just one of the most fantastic people I've ever met. Uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's, uh, it, it's really an honor for me. And uh, uh, you're, you're an amazing guy. And uh, so, you know, you're, give me a holler. We'll make it far easier the next time. <laughs> thank you. We're like, so we're like BFS now. We are BFF. Talking. And you're like, dude, I'm going to key your car. If you don't do the show, we're doing it right. I'm like, okay. You <laughs> know, that's coming up. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, sign me up. I'm great. All right, brother. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, man. All right.